1: Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a somewhat traditional introduction for this one just because uh, we are at the Gateway Lounge. We're excited to be back. It's going to be rocking for the Chiefs and Bills on Sunday night and all the NFL playoff games. We just had great meals and local beer, Ben's Brewing, West Park IPA, and I am John Gaskins, thrilled to be in the company of the South Dakota Sports Writer of the Year, Matt Zimmer. <laughs> crowd goes wild Jen is here you can chime in anytime obviously not gonna lie it's a little more fun when Jen's here brings a little brings a little something how are you Matt good to see you I'm good John how are you congratulations how do you you feel about your I feel like the dad in your favorite movie A Christmas story it's a prestigious award you just won a prestigious award did I? Did, I don't know. Did you? I guess that's up to you. If you think it's prestigious or not.
0: There has not been a leg lamp delivered to our home yet. Uh,
1: thank you. See, that's what I like about her. She <laughs> fills in the next line I was going to say. Did it come, did it come in a box that said "fragile"? Or how do you find out about this thing?
2: Uh, I got a phone call. Okay. A couple weeks. I've so I've known for a while, and uh, <laughs> it's it's nice to have the recognition. I I may go to the banquet. Um, <laughs>
1: Yeah, isn't it like in North Carolina or something? Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And you get to be there with all the other sportscasters and sports writers of the year. Mm-hmm. So, do, do you know how it's decided, or do you, I don't think people really care? So,
2: you get nominated, and then there's a few candidates, and yeah. let's just say it's not necessarily based on merit, which is why I'm not super excited about having won it.
1: Do you have to send in work, or do nope. other people? So people just nominate you? I guess. Yeah. Okay. You don't nominate yourself. Nope. All right. Well, anyway somebody thinks highly of you so I congratulations so. No. <laughs> all right well uh where, where do you want to go do you want to start with uh let's 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 start with the jackrabbits i guess we're, we're into the why not is that okay? Sure. Sure. Why not? We're into it. Uh, we'll talk Vikings. They haven't hired a new head coach yet, so that's still kind of hot. The, the culture issues with the Mike Zimmer era, very interesting to me. Uh, clearly, some guys jumped off the ship and were quite all right with uh, explaining publicly uh, what kind of fell apart in the Mike Zimmer era with the Vikings, but uh, I guess uh, for you let's start with what gained a lot of traction with you recently. Not necessarily the coverage of the uh, these day to day, week to week lives of the teams, but the mirror scheduling that the Summit League has somewhat, mostly, gone back to. Yeah, and uh, people seem to really hate it. There, have you met anybody who actually likes it or can explain the upside of it?
2: No, and to be fair, I. I only had a couple days to turn that story around. If i had had more time, you know, maybe I would have reached out to more people to try and get a better answer, you know, from the league office or something on on the reasoning for it. What I've gathered is that it's partially a COVID thing, I guess, like limiting the number of people on a trial. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but everyone hates it. Uh, and, and the people in South Dakota hate it the most because, as we well know, USD and SDSU are the two schools that probably have the most... Uh, two-way support. You know, men's and women's basketball teams both have uh, big fan bases and people want to watch both of those teams and um, the local media would like to be able to cover as many of those games as possible and and, and as David Herbster mentioned in my story, not just the independent media, the in-house media. You know, it can be difficult for schools to find a way to stream both games or get both games on the radio. You know, you have to have two separate crews to be in two different places and so it just creates a... A lot of hassle, and makes it hard for people to follow both games, and and uh, whatever potential benefit there is, and no one can really come up with one. Um, I, I don't see how it outweighs. I mean, Aaron Johnson, I thought, said it pretty pretty succinctly in my story. Just why are we competing against ourselves when we're already competing with? you know, other teams, other schools, other opportunities for people to spend their time and money.
1: Right. And uh, by now, I think most people listening know what we're talking about here, that, uh, yeah, just the, the teams are playing sometimes at the same time. Tonight. They're doing it tonight. Yeah. yeah. Where the, the SDSU men, uh, the night that we taped this on a Thursday, they're at St. Thomas. Women are hosting St. Thomas. Yep. There you yep. go. At the exact same time. And this happens on the weekends as well, which is especially perplexing. And, uh, and it's not like... Okay, I've always wondered, and you probably have a better feel for this, for schools like SDSU and now USD, obviously, uh, joining the fray, that have great women's teams that have really good support and their their own fan bases, and most fans just like both. Uh, it's not necessarily that. I don't know if Aaron Johnston or Don Plitzowite loves the idea of having every game, be, every Saturday game be a doubleheader. Mm-hmm. Um, or that they don't want every now and then for their team to take center stage right. and be the only they game. They don't want to do
2: what the NSIC does and just play on Fridays and Saturdays and have all yeah. doubleheaders. Right. Nobody really wants that. And even the NSIC, I think, is running into a little bit of a, you know, geez, this gets... To be asking a lot of your fans to devote every weekend to four basketball games, mm-hmm. um, but I think That's you know, right. David, back-to-back days, yeah. But David Herbster gave a good example. You know, why not have the men play Thursday, th- play, men play Thursday, Saturday, and the women play Saturday, Monday, and then on that Saturday when they're both playing, if you want, you can do a doubleheader, and if you yeah. don't want, you
1: don't have to. Do you think uh, when the Jacks play the Yotes, it's best done as a doubleheader, either place?
2: Uh, I mean, selfishly, from a fans and media standpoint, yes, but I understand why they don't do that. Those are their hottest tickets. Yeah, You have to split it up into two gates because it makes you the most money. And I think everyone begrudgingly sort of understands, especially in a post-pandemic world where colleges everywhere are, you know, need cash. You know, I, I think people kind of understand, all right, this is something that we'd like to have, but we get why we're not getting it. Yeah. Uh, but playing them both at the same time or the same day, that's another thing entirely.
1: Yeah. How, how do how do the women's coaches, I guess you would know Aaron Johnston, that's your beat at SDSU, uh, feel about it? Do, do, they, do they feel like being the undercard when it's a doubleheader? No.
2: Aaron specifically said, I have no concerns on that. Doesn't yeah. bother me. Yeah. Now, he's a man. Maybe it makes it different. I did not get a chance to ask Don Plitzwhite that question. Um... I know the NSIC this year has flip-flopped some of their double-headers to combat that concern, have the men play first, the women play second, Uh, but most people kind of say, like, you know, if you've been around here, if you've seen how we've been doing it here for the last 40 years, you get it. You know, people who say, oh my god, you're making the women's game into a JV game, this is sexist, those people don't know what they're talking about. And I would tend to agree with that, Um, because, you know, it's no coincidence that, SDSU and USD women's basketball and Augustana can be thrown in there too even though they're still Division 2 have great support for their women's teams because for all those years in the NCC they're playing those double headers where people got to see both games and people who previous to that maybe didn't care about women's basketball became fans of it and now years later they are.
1: Because the concept is and it usually goes I've noticed this in boys girls high school basketball double headers as well I was at uh, a couple the last couple weeks is people start kind of filing in second half of the girls' game? Mm-hmm. Oh, the girls are playing. It's right before the, uh, mm-hmm. the boys' game, men's game. let's go may as well go check them out anyway. Mm-hmm. Plus, we got to get a good seat because mm-hmm. there's already a crowd there. We want to get a good seat, and so I'm. And generally, I, it seems to be what happens. And then sometimes, like if the men's game is a blowout at halftime, people start leaving. Um, I what to your. To your knowledge, I know you're mostly covering the Jacks. You and I read a, an Augie USF game. I think that and that was a doubleheader mm-hmm. back in December. Men played first. How's this experiment mm-hmm. going with the men playing first? And the- uh, I asked Josh Morton,
2: Augie's athletic director, for that story, and he was like, "Eh, I don't know. Doesn't sound like it's doesn't sound like anyone likes it. I think it probably is." Uh, Leading to lesser attended women's games Yeah But I don't think Backfire It hasn't I wouldn't say I, would, I think that's a little strong Okay Doesn't sound like You know the place is clearing out When the men's game gets over um, But I do think You know un, un, Unless You have an example where The women's team is Just on that particular year The much better team Then maybe that changes the dynamic But in most cases The men's game is going to be The bigger draw That's just the way it is Um you know, I, the old joke when I covered Augustana way back in the day before Tom Billiter got there and turned him around and, you know, Dave Kraus's teams were very good and the men's team stunk, you know, the joke was that people would show up for the second half of the women's game and the first half of the men's game and then leave at halftime of the men's game. And that there was a lot of truth to that. Uh, but then after a while, when they both became good, you know, the place was full for both games. Yeah. And uh, I think it's – I was mildly surprised to hear Justin Sell, SDSU's athletic director, Come right out and say on the record, like we would prefer double headers. And the only reason I say that is it it makes sense. I get why he's saying it. The only reason it surprised me a little bit was when SDSU first went Division One. I think there was a lot of well, we have to be better than everyone now. There was a little bit of haughtiness to it, and it's like we're leaving Division Two behind, and they wanted to make sure everyone knew that we're moving on to bigger and better things, and that felt like part of it like oh we don't do double headers anymore that's division two stuff you know yeah. there was almost this sort of like are you kidding double headers we're in division one now mm-hmm. you know and I think there was a little bit of that and I think maybe even you know well, you don't see it much in division one the high levels right absolutely right, right. and even, even close. I, I would Never. even say that that um when Terry was our beat writer you know he kind of pushed that narrative that we have to leave division two behind it's division yeah. one now this is yeah. big time yeah. well okay fine but I think after a while it. You can't come to look around and go. Well, one thing, mirror scheduling is terrible, and some of the other ways you're doing it aren't necessarily great. And like I said, I don't think anyone wants to go to Friday, Saturday doubleheaders and playing, you know, four games in a weekend because that's just asking an awful lot of your your hardcore fan base. Yeah, that's taking up an entire weekend. Yeah. Um, but I think everyone has started to see the value in in having fairly regular weekend doubleheaders and giving your fans a chance, especially a, a team. I, should, I was going to say a team in Brookings, but when you think about it, anywhere in the Summit League, because outside of St. Thomas and Denver, these are all schools in small towns. So, you know, the best way you're going to get people – basically you have to drive to get there. Brookings and Vermilion – depend on people driving from Sioux Falls. Yeah. um, you know, or 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 other surrounding communities. Yeah. They're a lot more likely to do that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Watertown. On on a Saturday, if they can go, you know, get more bang for their buck, get two games, you know, and and kinda as Justin said my story, make a, a trip out of it, you know, you Go to cubbies afterwards. Maybe even get a hotel room and spend the night, and go back the next day. You know, like there's a lot of value in that, and and I I commend uh, Justin Sell and David Herbster and whoever else Ar- Aaron Johnston for continuing to say like Yeah, I know this was a thing we did in Division Two, but it worked, mm-hmm. and we would like to continue doing it on some level.
1: And Justin would like it that he specify women's men, women's first, then men's? I don't think anyone cares about that. Yeah, I really All right. don't. All right, I think you could do it either way. Well, it's interesting because on the uh, on Saturday afternoons, if it's two and four o'clock, three and 5 o'clock, somewhere in that neighborhood, I agree. that you know It's a Friday night or a Saturday night, especially a fr- Friday night. We were there, I believe, on a Thursday. It was a Friday night for Augustana USF. It was Thursday or Friday, whatever. It was you know, like a 530, 730 thing. The, women were, or sorry, the men were first because they're doing all men's games first now. And uh, well, think about that. I mean, a lot of people. Some people get off of work by five, mm-hmm. but some people don't, and mm-hmm. some people want to go home and eat, home and change. Mm-hmm. It's it, five thirty on a weeknight, even a Friday night. It's kind of a little early to ask yes. for people to go yes. to a game, and uh, and
2: Justin and David talked about that. Yeah, that that's probably why it had to be. I think everyone is saying. Just a Saturday or or Sunday if yeah. you're going to play on a Sunday that it's a weekend thing doing yeah. weeknight doubleheaders even on a Friday, asking a little much and for it, the reason you just
1: said. And again, it's like well, but that'll get more people to the women's game because it starts at seven thirty. Maybe, We're all right, maybe. It's like, uh, you know, but also didn't feel it I've
2: I've said so many times over the years that doubleheaders built this women's basketball audience in South Dakota and to yeah. a lesser extent North Dakota, and it
1: did. Is that your opinion, or do you feel? Do no, other people? I think, I think that's
2: absolutely yeah. factually yeah. true. I mean, yeah. it's my opinion, but I'm I, no, makes pretty sense pretty well. But I would say, and Josh Morton brought this up, and I don't think he's wrong. It's like, that was a different time, you know, to think that in the year 2020, we're going to suddenly get people to fall in love with women's basketball by playing double headers. I don't know about that. I mean, right. there's certainly there's some exposure. It will, it will help if, if you do that, but those double headers we've tried the double headers in the summit league to some degree you know western illinois and some of those other schools were doing them it didn't make a a huge difference in their attendance um and you know i I, josh mentioned he he didn't he certainly didn't say that like he wanted the nsic to move away from double headers um because i don't know if they want to be trying to play basketball games four nights a week you know if they have men women men women whatever but he did say like in this day and age, with all the entertainment options that we have, asking people to sit their butts down for six hours yeah. for two oh. basketball games—that's a lot. Try to do it
1: for one. I mean, well, but I'm the, yeah. and then
2: you on top of that, you're doing it two nights in a row yeah. every weekend. That's twelve hours of basketball yeah. per weekend. I, I can see
1: how Josh is like, I'm not sure if this is the greatest thing. No, we're not, yeah. not in 2020. It's just not. I mean, if anybody has kids and has tried to take them to any and, any sport, anybody, that, yeah. one, one, one game. game is difficult. Yeah. Uh, it's, especially it's baseball, but that's another topic. Um, you know, Brad Newitt made a good point, too, is a part of the greatness of the, and of course Brad's the Midco Sports main analyst for men's and women's mm-hmm. basketball for Jackson-Yotes games, uh, so he, and his, his prime time is the summit league tournament, like the whole leagues is. Mm-hmm. And he said, part of what has made the summit league distinct and great, or at least the summit league tournament is that unlike most conferences, we do this at the same time. Women play the men play. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. they play the whole thing at the same time mm-hmm. and it certainly helps attendance for the women's games and it mm-hmm. certainly helps the vibe. And so keep that concept, you know, at least somewhat ingrained in mm-hmm. uh, in in double headers and and mm-hmm. that. And, and the one last point is this this COVID. Look, I don't want to take anything COVID related lightly or measures that people take because of uh, especially the omicron variant. And you know we're we're back in some we're back in some heady stuff here. Um, And uh, people who make some some people who just live their lives, uh, especially in a place like South Dakota, aren't taking it very seriously, or just kind of they've got the fatigue. But if you're a leader and you're making these kind of decisions, you have to take it very seriously. And so uh, I like last year NSIC. I experienced this like USF, like all the other NSIC teams. Instead of doing the double headers, men were in one place, women were in the other place. Same day, same opponent. Two mm-hmm. different teams, two different places. I mm-hmm. guess so they're not traveling together mm-hmm. right. and staying in hotels together, and mm-hmm. you know social distancing. Um, and uh, I don't know if that would is is. That's sp- literally what the summer league's doing right now. Yeah. And that was I think that was the only
2: potential benefit. Trying but. to
1: keep... I mean, I don't know if you could take two separate buses or if that solves anything. I don't know. I, I you know, I don't... Since the vaccine, I don't know how many of these players are getting the vaccine. I know of a couple teams
2: know. that are fully vaccinated and still having games rescheduled. And yeah. That's a whole other topic that I'd really rather not talk about. Me neither.
1: <laughs> uh So what's going on uh with Noah Friedel and the Jackrabbit <laughs> Men's basketball? I mean, they are undefeated on top uh-huh. of the Summit League playing uh-huh. great and... They're arguably their most talented player. Well, okay. One of their three Baylor, most talented Baylor-Shireman would have something to say about that. And yeah. so would Doug Wilson, I'm guessing. Um, but, um, their
2: best shooter. I mean, maybe their most dynamic scorer. Yeah. He's their leading scorer. He leads the team. 18 points a game. Uh, how? Uh, so what's going on? I don't know. He's still. How long has it been since he's played? He has now sat out five consecutive games. And, you know, I have tried to question Hendo on this multiple times. And he's more or less stonewalled me every time. In a very nice way. Yeah, and that's okay. I'm really not, like, I can't hold the guy down and beat it out of him. You know, he's either going to tell me or he's not. And he's decided he's not. I've heard things, and I'll even say what I've heard. I've heard that Noah was being a prick in practice, and everyone just kind of decided they were sick of him, and he essentially got benched because he hasn't been officially suspended because he's still sitting on the sideline in his – Uniforms, like he's in street clothes, or not allowed to come to the game. And so he still wants to be on the team. I, yeah, yeah, I guess. And uh, you know, Hendo just keeps saying things like, "We just want what's best for Noah, and we want to see growth and whatever." I mean, it's 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 a word salad of bullshit most of the time because he doesn't want to tell us, you know. But he also he also is, has the decency to not want to be a dick and just tell me to piss off and stop asking about it. Uh, it's weird for me because this is probably. And I mean this. This is maybe the most polarizing thing that I've dealt with since I've been covering SDSU. And what I mean by that is almost everyone who is invested in it is mad about it. And half of them them are mad because they're like, why do you keep asking about Noah Friedel? It's nobody's business. Leave him alone. And then the other half of people are going, you need to fucking find out what's happening with Noah Friedel. Yeah, you're a reporter. Like, oh, your and I'm not just sure talking about me. Like, yeah. it, 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 okay. like just in general, like, we have a right to know. Oh. Hendo has to tell us. Yeah. You know, we're we're ticket buyers. We're, you know, boosters. Yeah. We have a right to know why you're not playing your leading score. And then the other half of people are like, how dare you invade this poor child's privacy, you know, like, as if he's a kindergartner and not a Division One scholarship athlete. Um, so, it's, I certainly have some Noah Friedel fatigue, if you can't tell. Yeah. Um. And I basically stopped asking Hendo about it because what's the point? You know, I, I asked him the night it, the first night he didn't play. He danced around it. I waited a couple games, asked him again. And that, t- that time I was much more pointed. I asked him like three or four questions. I kept following up trying to get something out of him, and it was pretty apparent that I annoyed him. He was like, stop asking me these questions. I was like, well, you're not, you know. And eventually it's like, all right, you know, that's, that's as much as I'm going to get. Um, the thing is, it, at this point, five games is a long benching suspension whatever if you if whatever you did is enough for your coach to sit you for five games then that's enough for him to kick you off the team because most suspensions disciplinary things are usually a game or two yeah this has been five games now so i'm kind of of the opinion either play him or cut him you know either put him back in the lineup give him his second chance or tell him you're done uh, now I, that is not a unique opinion, you know. I've heard that from because every every game tonight, even though the men are on the road and I'll be at Frost, seven o'clock, I'll have ten texts from Jack's fans or friends like, "Is no plan? Is no plan? Is no plan?" And when I tell them, "No, he's not," then their next reply is, "Why don't they just cut him? You know, either play him or cut him. What's the deal? Why are they doing this?" And I don't know. Um, there's a lot of things you could speculate on. I mean, some people have speculated that he essentially has been kicked off the team, that they're just not making it official. I don't know what the benefit of that would be, like, to make it easier for him to transfer somewhere else or something, uh, that maybe, I mean, the other day, they, there was an, a whole thing on social media, Jalen Gentry was given a scholarship and they did the whole, you know, announcement, like, congratulations, you got a scholarship, and the team all mobbed him and everything, like... I mean, I haven't been keeping track of exactly where the Jack scholarships have gone, but did that mean maybe they pulled one from someone else? Yeah, uh, that'd be I, I mean, yeah. it's possible. Um, are they just going to sit him until the Summit League tournament and then flip the switch and bring him back in? Because this would be the third NCAA or excuse me, third Summit League tournament in a row if Noah didn't play. That they would go into the tournament without one of their best players. Two years ago, Doug Wilson hurt his foot right before the tournament. Yeah. They got beat. Yeah, right. Last year, Noah was out because he was dealing with his mental issues. So they didn't have him. Now this year, that you're facing the potential again. be nice to see what this team could do at full strength. Yeah. Uh, but having said that, you just said yourself, they're 6-0. And, you know, Zeke Mayo, the freshman guard, is playing out of his mind. Uh, Charlie Easley, the transfer from Nebraska. Matt mm-hmm. Mims, uh, short backup point guard who was kind of an afterthought at times, is playing really well off the bench. I don't know how great of a defender Noah Friedel has ever been. I'm not enough of a basketball expert to really know that. Um, I will say, how do you If – let's say tonight Hendo goes to Friedell and says, all right, your punishment's over. You're back in the rotation. How do you work him back in? <laughs> they don't really need him right now. Yeah. I mean, they're kicking ass on both ends of the court, specific, especially on offense. If Noah isn't a great defensive player, does he almost make them worse? You know, because offensively they're sure not hurting. Do you put him back in? And, and I, I, I just don't know. And so I don't want to say – like. People who are more in the know about this than me, which is to say people who have a direct line to the Friedel family or Hendo or somebody keep telling me he's handling it the right way. Just trust him. He's handling it. All right, Right.
1: fine. All right. Fair
2: enough. Trust the process. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But what's the end game here? Yeah. And also, at what point is Hendo in danger of kind of backing himself into a corner a little bit? It's like you got to do something. Are you just going to let this guy sit the whole year? Because also, if I'm Noah and I realize – he did some shit last year that got him in trouble and has affected his reputation. Um, but I wouldn't blame Noah at this point if he said "fuck this" yeah. and left. I yeah. mean, I realize he he's not as in demand as he normally would be because of some of the off court baggage. He punched in last year.
1: Whatever's going on well, now. he's gonna be less in demand the less he plays. I well, mean, I mean, but somebody will take.
2: What a I'm saying is, what I'm if, saying though yeah. is that maybe maybe the thought is, if he quits and walks away, then that's like another strike of against course. him. Yeah. But I don't know. I, to me, it's not. It's like, I want to play basketball, dude. Yeah. I only have so much time to play basketball in my life. And you're taking it away from me. Well, now, <laughs> obviously, he, he did something to prompt that. It's not like they're picking on him to be dicks. But I'm just saying, if I'm Noah Friedel, at some point, I'm like, come on. Either play me or boot me so I can go find somewhere else to
1: yeah, play. Yeah, I think it's – it's all, it's. I don't think it's even modern. I think it's been going on for a while. Pro sports, even now college sports with more literal free agency in college sports. Mm-hmm. Uh. It depends on how fucking good you are, and the beauty in the eye of the beholder. If there's somebody out there who covets your talent, then uh, and is willing to overlook any baggage, they'll 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 take you. They'll, they'll because they either need you that badly mm-hmm. or. Um I, they they think they can change you. Put mm-hmm. him in a here or her in a different culture and it'll be fine.
2: Or that just that player will realize this is my last chance and of I can't fuck it up.
1: Yeah. But uh, I mean there so there would there would or could be suitors and it'll be interesting to say see what course it takes because the other thing I'm thinking is well why are they this good without him? How how not bad, but how not great is the league? And I'm just checking the standings. The only I mean, it's it's them and Oral Roberts and everyone else right now, at the moment. Mm-hmm. And things are weird with how many games everybody's played because of these COVID things. But you got SDSU six and zero, Oral Roberts six and one. The Jacks won the head-to-head matchup, 82-76 in in Brookings without Noah. Right. Uh, so they've beaten Oral Roberts without Noah um, at USD's down with. A lot of issues and injuries. NDSU, you could tell me how good they are. The Jacks have already beaten them. But it kind of feels like, I'm not going to say you don't need Noah Freidel. Yeah, it, but it I appears you don't saying. need him now. But right. I don't know, three days in a row at the Summit League Tournament, as you've mentioned, uh, the Jacks have kind of uh, haven't been at full strength and have been getting knocked out the last couple yeah, of times. So. It's been a well while since they've been to the tournament. Yeah. So I don't know if, uh, you know, if, and, and what, it will, what it will be and what it will look like. But it's obviously allowed Baylor Shireman to shine. I mean, how Jax fans who are listening know this? So I sound like an idiot asking this. But like, how good is he? I mean, it's, every time I'm looking, he's uh, he's 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 blasting his stats into the atmosphere. Yeah. And I did see the USD game a bit, and just like, gosh, this guy you can't miss. He just um, I'm wow. Working on a feature story about him right
2: now that will be in Sunday's paper. Jen got to listen to me interview him in the car the other day because I had to do an impromptu phone interview. But, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was after the last couple games. He at one point made ten three-pointers in a row across That's three games. Th-
1: yeah, And, uh, and I yeah,
2: he's a double-double machine, often threatens a triple-double. Uh, he leads the league in rebounds and assists and could score 20 a game if he wanted to. The only reason he doesn't is because he's on a team where everyone can do that. Um, he's playing at an unprecedented level. Yeah. Uh, I talked to Greg Steeman the other day uh, because I wanted to get input from a coach who wasn't his coach. Sure. And, you know, Greg follows the Summit League real closely, and he compared him to John Concher, the uh, IPFW, kind of the same point-forward sort of thing. Concher was 6'5", Baylor's 6'6", 6'7". Concher's much more athletic than Baylor, I think. Uh, But. Just the total – the way they affect games. Contra also led the league in both rebounding and assists and was one of the top scorers, top shooters, top defenders. Um, The thing that's interesting to me about Baylor is he was a record-setting quarterback in Nebraska um, at Aurora High School, I believe. I don't think that's a real high level of – I think it's Class C. It is. Um, But he set all kinds of records there. Broke Scott Frost's all-time touchdown pass record and stuff. And he was a basketball guy all along. He – had been committed to play basketball before he had that huge year as a football player. But when you watch him play, you kind of, you kind of get it. Like he plays basketball, like a quarterback, you know, the way he sees the floor, the way, what do we always hear scouts or coaches say when they're talking about great veteran quarterbacks in the NFL, how they slow the game down, you know, how things slow down for them. They see things in slow motion. That's how Baylor plays basketball. And then you throw on top of it that he's a 50, 50, 80 guy as a shooter I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, he's just playing at a level that, you know, Mike Dom, Max Asemus, John Concher, Nate Walters, there's a very short list of guys who have played at this level in this league.
1: Well, and here's my much less uh, smaller sample size of seeing him and another uh, kind of cliche and buzzword that seems to hold true. He looks and feels like a Gamer. Game. Like he just always he loves playing. He's not nervous. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, and, that, and sometimes ga- people get called gamers because there might be some connotation there. Like they're, they're not great practicers, or, or, but but no, I mean I just or grinders he, or something. Yeah. But no, I mean he really just is like he. It just it, this is nothing. It, it, I'm not saying it's, it. He makes it look easy. Yeah. Yeah. That's and uh, he makes it look like it's easy for him.
2: Yeah. Uh, and he's not too impressed with himself. And it's funny. Jen commented on this after she listened to me interview him I was asking him about his football playing career and if he had ever wavered on maybe wanting to try playing football in college and, and he was like no I was kind of a basketball guy all along okay. and I said well remember a couple of years ago when Jabore Gibbs got hurt for the Jacks uh, they were kind of in flux there at the quarterback situation for a while. Uh, Cannon Nelson, a walk-on, ended up having to start a couple games. Didn't go very well. They ended up, you know, Matt Connors played a little bit. Uh, Carson Hunter played a little bit. They needed a quarterback. Um, and uh, I remember at that time thinking, well, geez, Baylor Shireman's right over there at Frost, and he threw 55 touchdown passes his senior year in high school. He's six-six. You know, like, maybe give him a call. And it was one of those things where you're only sort of half serious. And I asked Baylor, I said, did, did that ever come up? Did you ever think about it? Did anyone ever ask you about it? And he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, my teammates were joking about it all the time. Like, you should go over there. You should go walk on. You should go tell Steg." And, and uh, I said, did you ever think about it? And he was like, yeah, a little. And it was funny. Like He's like, I know I could have done it. He's like, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to endanger my basketball career. He's like, I want to play in the NBA. He's like, I don't want to get hurt. But it was funny to how nonchalantly he was like, Oh, I easily could have gone over there and been the starting quarterback and, you know, yeah. taken that team to and he didn't say it in a a cocky arrogant sort of like oh sdsu football what's that like
1: he was very much like no i'm just that good like yeah, just I, being honest yeah. i appreciate that mm-hmm. uh, J- jen any, any uh, imp- impressions from you on that interview since you got to listen in on it I, it's always good to hear your point of view well i know almost nothing
0: there. about this young man i just happened to overhear the interview but yeah like matt was saying it just struck me that he did not sound cocky it did not sound showy at all he was just very matter-of-factly like oh yeah no, i know i could have done that i just basketball's my my focus and so I mean, it kind of of blew me away. I was like, wow, this guy's that good, huh? Like, like he knows he's that good.
1: Uh, So you're driving and he's, like, transcribing and stuff, or how does that happen?
2: I had told Jason, like, just whenever you can get him, I'll make it work, and we were at the gym. And I was like, shit. But I wasn't going to say no. So we were on our way to pick up Arthur from school, and uh, she drove while I just talked to him on the phone.
1: Yeah, I love it when sometimes all on a given day to do like pregame interviews with coaches for my pregame shows for these basketball games. I will, uh, I'll sometimes say, because I'll know what I have coming up in the day. If I have to do this at this time, whatever, if I want to work out, I'll just be like, uh, but I'm also I need to do this or I'd like to do this. So I will tell them uh, I can do any time between now and this time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's always a mistake because then they'll say, OK, how about now? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I didn't really mean now, now <laughs> I, don't, yeah. I got something going. I want to do this now, now, uh, which by the way, I've got to talk to you know, my windows closing on Nick Meyer of Harrisburg, but uh, it, it's it's OK. We're uh, before we get or after we're done with this podcast. Um, so, yeah, I'll go back to the thing I was mentioning. Without Friedel, they're six and zero, and they've beaten their best challenger, at least according to the standings. So, is the is the league not is the league "quote unquote" down? Is the competition not that great? It's Jacks been down the last few good? years. It's okay. been down. All right.
2: Um, and I, you know, people who are in the league don't want to say that, and so they haven't been saying it, at least not too loudly. But remember, it was basically right before the transfer portal kind of became what it is the summit was really at a high point you know um Omaha was really good for a little while there uh, Fort Wayne obviously was really good um you, you know Denver looked like maybe they were an up-and-coming team right before they uh brought in Rodney Billups which obviously
1: didn't work out well at all yeah they had that big guy who was athletic at center
2: yeah and and before that they had uh the kid who missed the free throw that would have beat the Jacks I can't remember his name now but I mean, mean, every team for a while there was looking really good. And, uh, like, the Summit League's RPI was, like, up to, like, the top 10 or top 12 or something. I mean, it was really, really looking encouraging. And then in the last few years, it just dropped precipitously. And, I, you know, I I think I'm not blaming it solely on the transfer portal, but obviously that's a huge part of it. Matt Mooney left. Stanley Amude left. Treshawn Thurman left. uh, uh, Kevin O'Banner left. You know, these teams – what happens is these mid-major schools kind of like what we see to a lesser extent or maybe not in FCS football where it's almost like they're a minor a feeder league for, for the upper levels you know Stanley Mude has an outstanding season for USD it's just like a, a tryout essentially for yeah. you know those power level schools and you know I've said this multiple times and people will think I'm biased because I was close to the guy but that just what Mike Dom did was so much more impressive I mean he obviously could have gone to any program in the country yeah you know and he said nope I'm staying here with the Jacks and he finished his career there maybe he shouldn't have you know maybe he should have left maybe he'd be in the NBA right now if he'd have left but he didn't he was loyal and stayed to the Jacks and I don't know how many more times we're going to see that. Yeah, no one at USD is mad at Matt Mooney. He got to play in the frickin' national championship, and now he's in the NBA. You know, I mean, Stanley Moody's at Arkansas. Trayvon Thurman went to Nevada, Utah. Or, you know, maybe that didn't work out so well. I'm talking about the guy from Omaha, but yeah, um, I, I think that's going to continue to be a big thing, and it it affects whether or not coaches. You know, you'd like to redshirt a guy to give him a year to, to learn and get better, but then you're just increasing the odds he's going to grad transfer, yeah. you know, because he's got that, he can graduate by the end of his junior year. So that throws something into it. Um, maybe maybe part of it too is just a down cycle in recruiting. I mean, some of these teams, you know, nothing against Rodney Phillips. He's the nicest guy in the world, but he appeared to be a mistake higher. You know, that, that team got worse under his tenure. You know, some of the other, Western Illinois had a big win over the Jacks. In the conference tournament, but otherwise, Billy Wright had had a, a poor tenure as their coach. Yeah. Now Rob Jeter's taken over, and they're on the upswing. That's what you need, I think, in this league is to have – better coaches that come in there and, and get those programs going.
1: Well, you um, certainly need them now that it's going to be harder to recruit and keep, keep. high-level yeah. le- high individual yeah. talent because you're making sense. Because I was like, well, why has it gone down? Oh, yeah. You mentioned IPFW. Why was IPFW good? John Concher. And, that's
2: <laughs> what, I mean, was, and uh, the other yeah. guy, Max. Yeah. I can't remember his name, but yeah.
1: Now, SDSU does seem to be the outlier that's able to have multiple really good players who are not quite... Good enough to really NDSU move up too. to. A NDSU place. has been outstanding. You know, they just get
2: overshadowed by their football team, but they have, they've also been. Yeah,
1: they have, and they have good coaches, and they have several mm-hmm. really good players, but not quite great enough players after post Mike Dom that are kind of like, oh, well, that guy should be playing at Texas Tech or something mm-hmm. or something like that, right now. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if that, I don't think that's well, unfair to say. I mean, he's they're really starting good...
2: to talk about Baylor Shireman being an NBA guy, but 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 he's he's averaging fourteen points a game.
1: What year know? is he
2: a... He's a third year sophomore.
1: So. Oh, okay. So that might be something to worry
2: about if he keeps playing the way we'll he does. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Baylor, Mike was also from Nebraska. Baylor's from Nebraska. I, I, I mean, t- he
1: <laughs> seems like
2: a loyal kind of guy, <laughs> Have, but yeah.
1: you never know. I Have mean, you seen how Nebraska's been playing basketball? Oh, I didn't
2: mean he'd go to the U of Nebraska, but just <laughs> anyway. I know. hope he does. It's not like Dom's only offer was from Nebraska. <laughs> I know that.
1: Me. No, yeah, but, yeah. of course, I, I go right to the – 0-8 in the Big Ten Huskers right yeah, now. Yeah, that I wouldn't worry about. Uh, uh, you know, I'd, if... I'd, I'd love to see Baylor, Shireman, and Husker Red. Uh, okay, so that's that. That's about the... Uh, anything. Well, St. Thomas, it'll be interesting tonight. How are they doing? I haven't checked the 500. standings. Okay, right mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. That could speak to the level of the league, or it could speak to the level uh, of St. Thomas. They have their
2: entire starting five back from what was a kay. national championship caliber Division three team.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So,
2: I mean that's not to say that every division three playoff team is good enough to play in mid-major Division one yeah but when you're a national championship caliber team at Division three and all your best players are seniors mm. it, it's, it's probably not that that surprising that they're hang- holding their own in this league. All right.
1: A- anything anything interesting or sizzling on the women's side or do we want to just maybe get to that next I, week?
2: You know, USD's by far the best team right now. They yeah. slaughtered the Jacks. They're darn near it's, making it's, it boring. It's interesting that the Jacks have bounced back as well as they have from that loss. It looks a little bit like maybe that loss was I don't want to say a fluke because again, USD is the best team. But did SDSU just really shit the bed that night and will they be better the next time they play? I think when we see how they play the second time at Frost, that'll give us a better idea of how big is the gap between those two. Yeah. Because I think everyone agrees and understands USC is the best team. If that's also a blowout, then you have to go, okay. You know they are clear-cut far and away, and SDSU just doesn't have a chance. If that game's close, or SDSU wins it, then you go okay. The Summit League tournament could be pretty interesting.
1: I caught some of that first game, and I just happened to catch the part where Midco threw up the stat of, I mean, the record and the point margins and the point scoring. They're scoring 15 points less a game when Maya Sellen's not really a part mm-hmm. of the game. Their you know, their record was like two and six versus seven and one when she's there. Uh, so, what's her health like right now, or what does it look like for as we get closer? I mean, to mean. She's
2: about. battling. She's not 100%. She's probably yeah. not going to be. Maybe I mean, you know, she's been hurt her entire career. Yep. I don't think there is such thing as 100% for Maya. No. You know, I w- I wouldn't have been surprised if she retired before her eligibility was over. So, um, but like you said, even at 75% or 85% whatever she is, they're a much better team with her. Um they 15
1: need... points a game less.
2: Well, <laughs> I, you know, crazy. I don't mean to to pick on anyone, but you know, they need more out of Peyton Burkhardt and Tyler Irwin and, and Tori Nelson and some of these other established players. Uh, their shooting has been much better this year. I mean, basically since I've been covering the jacks, I've been hammering AJ for not having enough good outside shooters. Uh, and this year, without making any personnel changes, they're a much better three-point shooting team. They just got better at it, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, but having said that, Where's the Tylee Irwin we saw at the end of last year? Remember, Maya gets hurt, and everyone's like, well, their season's over. And then Tylee Irwin just took over games, you know, and, and was averaging 20 points down down the stretch. Then she had a terrible game in the Summit League tournament, which which happens. You know, they, they focused their attention on her, and she just didn't have a good game. But it seems like she still hasn't recovered from that. She just hasn't been the same player that she's capable of being. I wonder if she's a little banged up, too, because hmm.
1: her numbers are not what I expected them to be. Hmm. Uh, so did you? Uh, I don't know. I, I uh, another water for me, please. Yep. And yeah. As always, awesome service here at the Gateway Lounge. We got playoff football coming up on uh, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, double headers both days. Uh, great place to go. We get into a great uh, sports bar environment for all that. They always have specials. They've got. I love that they have Ben's Brewing on tap right now. Ben's Brewing. Uh, out of Yankton, awesome place to go if you ever visit Yankton, and uh, it's cool that Jackson has it on tap. I hope he keeps it there. Um, the, uh, the Vikings, I don't know how compelled you are by the unveiling that Mike Zimmer was kind of getting a little tyrannical Not and much, grumpy. Really. I at least thought you'd appreciate or find interesting the journalism because, wow, did they get some guys off the record, Ben Gessling, the Star Trib writer, uh, it was almost all anonymous, but it was mm-hmm. players. I mean, it was. I don't. I'm not doubting that he's. You know, that it's all real. Eric Kendricks was willing to basically say uh-huh. we need it publicly, and yeah, we need. We need. You know, we need a coach that gives the players just a just a little bit of a say in how things mm-hmm. are done. But uh, I know you're probably not surprised. That seems like that doesn't seem to be a surprising or shocking revelation. It's, that it's always
2: the case at the end of a coach's tenure when everyone knows it's it's that it's over. Yeah. Um. I respect Eric Kendricks for. Putting his name on it, yeah, you know, I do
1: too. Um, I oh, by the way, I, the quote, I don't think a fear-based organization right. is the way to go. Right, wow, that's that's a statement. Wow, yeah, yeah. And I thought he was one of Zimmer's guys. You I know? mean,
2: it, two things can be true. Yeah. I mean, it it could be that he was one of his guys, and just by the end, he was like, all right, it's time. You're not, yeah. this isn't working anymore. Yeah, um, I did. I actually think a lot of that stuff. He's gone. Where was this reporting when the season was – like, you're kind of kicking dirt on his grave at some point a little sure. bit. Like, I I didn't have much of an appetite for that. I didn't read any of it. I saw what Kendrick said, and like I said, I was like, well, at least he put his name on it. The, the rest of it, I don't care. He's gone. He's not the coach anymore.
1: But it does uh, – sure, I get that. Uh, it does make you wonder, okay, well – is, is, does does that give us any hints? And, you know, a, a lot of this, by the way, was about the the relationship or lack thereof of Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. Like, they just stopped talking for the last five or six months. Like, once the season started, they just – that's not
2: healthy. Right. Uh, but and, was it surprising? Not especially. Not at all. Yeah. No, I yeah. mean,
1: and, and Mike every now and then would have these little uh, – he would, he would take the opportunity every now and then uh, to, if you read between the lines or were smart enough, uh, what he was saying or not saying to uh, kind of, yeah, kick, kick, kick dirt on Spielman. I
2: thought the way he completely shit on Kellen Mond, oh, that yeah. when the week Cousins was out for COVID, I felt bad for Kellen Mond. Yeah. That felt like he was using Kellen Mond. To tell Rick Spielman, "Fuck you!" Like yeah. I'm not going to play yep. this guy. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, there there are a few middle fingers. You could sense that the last yeah. couple weeks and that last game. Because uh, I don't care how bad Kellen Mond
2: is or was, and it looks yeah. like he's pretty bad. Yeah. There was no reason to start Sean Mannion in that game. No. That was stupid.
1: No, yeah. there was. not You got to see what yeah. the kid has. Um. So, but it could be a tell. I don't. I don't care about the GM hiring, which I know is important. You should care if you're a Vikings fan. But I just I'm not qualified to to vet uh, GM. Candidates. They interviewed a
2: woman for it. I think that's very interesting Uh, I kind of want him to hire her
1: Well sure I do too
2: (laughs) No not from like a socially progressive standpoint I just kind of feel like the Vikings franchise is so fucked Maybe the only thing that can fix them is a woman
1: Jen, any thoughts about that? <laughs> we have she wasn't. Jen's listening. a woman. I was. I was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do, I do you think that's true that a woman? It's interesting because she—that would be the first female GM. There has been like female executives, like Amy Trask with the Raiders.
2: I think they years said the ago. Eagles, which is odd. She's from the Eagles. Yeah,
1: had had like an interim GM that was a, a
2: woman and at one course, point. But
1: and of course, most people are just assuming this is kind of a token thing. They want to be able to brag and say they're the first. Yeah, interview. I don't know. I uh, mean, but
2: do, I, I like the idea of a woman executive more than a woman coach and I'm not opposed to a woman's coach it's just going to be harder for a woman's coach uh, to to do that job because you're talking about actual playing you know and telling players how to play the game that can be a tougher sell Mm. because have you and there is women's football you know Jen Welter who played in the Storms League briefly and then was the first woman's coach for the Atlanta Falcons I mean she has some credibility there she played You know tackle football has that sort of thing I think when you're talking about front office jobs or anything uh, any concern that there would be there to me doesn't exist a Mm. woman can do that job just as well as a man can and she can coach as well as a man can too I'm just saying that I think uh, the challenge a a female coach has is maybe getting players to listen to her and I don't know if that's as much of a thing in the front office well
1: I'm sure you've heard a million times uh, over the years comedians writers um, philosophers like you know if, if the world hadn't been run by so many men all these thousands of years, we wouldn't have as have had as many wars or as many problems. Jen, and
2: maybe the Vikings would have a Super Bowl. By you're now. a That's woman
1: kind of and I'm you're saying. here. You have a microphone. Do you agree? Like would it this, you think of this functional football team with a woman uh, who's, who'd obviously be qualified to do this. Some background in being bossy pants.
0: Uh, I just have a comment on the kay. what you were saying about. Uh, than being more successful in a, a GM role versus a coaching role because you know the experience playing football. Then how are their male gynecologists like? Okay. You don't have to do the thing to do the the job of the thing. I, I, I'm not saying you have to do the thing. I,
2: I was talking specifically about whether players will listen to them because I think that's. I was going to say half the battle It's probably more than half the battle. You know, you get a, a woman's coach in there. And, again, like I mentioned, uh, Jen Welter, who broke down a lot of barriers. She was, I believe, the first woman's assistant coach in the NFL. Maybe there was someone before her. There have been many since then. There are now several in the league. She played football. Like, she played in a women's professional football league. Now, there are still going to be male players who are going to be like, oh, no, wanna listen do a – you know, that's always going to be a challenge that they're dealing with. But I'm saying a woman who has that has more credibility because if you're – I see the look you're giving me. (laughs) I'm listening. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying, like, we we can all sit here and talk about and try to dance around it and be as politically correct as we want to. But if you think that uh, men's professional football players are not going to treat potentially a women's coach different than a men's coach, I think we're, I don't think we're being honest with ourselves about that. That's all I'm saying.
0: Worked in a male-dominated field. That's absolutely a thing, of course. But But the fact that it is an additional obstacle they have to overcome, I'm just saying nobody ever discourages male pre-med students from going into gynecology or obstetrics because they don't have the same equipment.
1: So the the question I'll ask you is could a football team full of about Chismo men who also feel like their voices aren't being heard lately by the leadership, the coach and the GM. Uh, what Matt was saying earlier is maybe a slightly dysfunctional organization like this could use a woman. We're, we're laying a big, huge blanket over the uh, half of the entire would global population. I mean, kind of
2: tongue in cheek about that. Know, not like I, it's, oh, they need a woman's touch. But, That's not what I meant. I, curious. I just mean, I'm perfectly fine with them hiring a woman's GM. Like, I am. I, 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 people that are like, blah, blah. nope. Go right ahead. I would be more than happy to give her a chance at this point. But
1: a woman who has been a boss and has led men, uh, as Jen has, day after day after day, dealing with mostly men as a female executive-ish. Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a little bit of a stretch. Okay. But thanks, sh- John. <laughs> sh- you're welcome.
1: Uh, what uh, Yeah, what, what are your thoughts about that? A team that's kind of in dysfunction, players need a better voice.
0: I mean, given the the climate that you know, if you're a woman in a male-dominated field, you're walking into it's. I think I agree with what you're saying that like if they are dysfunctional and they need to get their shit together, what better time to mix it up a bit? I think people will probably be more open to it than they might typically be at any other given time, given that sexism is real, and of course there's going to be reticence to to take you know direction from a female in a position of leadership when you're used to that being filled by a male. But could
1: a smart, fearless woman, because she is a woman, be a, Maybe qualified to help out an organization in that situation Uh,
0: see i don't i'm not a big fan of that trope either i don't think that i don't i don't think that that necessarily brings any more or less to the table i just think that there might be less reticence to deal with that person at the helm than maybe there typically would be since like you know you said they are kind of a shit show right now and maybe that makes them more open to trying out something new
2: well and i mean (laughs) we, we sometimes get stuck in our our uh Twitter echo chambers of whatever we happen yeah. to believe. If you're a dipshit, you tend to surround yourself with other dipshits, or however you want to put it. Um, when, Socrates said that. <laughs> when, when, Socrates the, when, said the, that. when the when the Vikings announced <laughs> that they had interviewed uh, this female candidate, and I wish I knew her name. I should, but I don't know any of the names of the candidates. It's not just her. Um, I was, and maybe this shows how naive I am, and that's what I was referring to of being in our our echo chambers. I was stunned by how many awful, sexist comments there were about it. Oh, really? Not that I thought we were, like, past that, but I kind of thought, like, okay, we're not going to just straight out come out and say, a woman can't do that job. But it was...
0: Right, quiet part out
2: loud. Yeah, but it was, like, holy shit. Like, it was just one after another after another, like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. No way. This can't happen. She can't do it. Blah, 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 blah. So that's... And that's that's sort of where I'm getting at. Like, I think maybe... You know, we hear so much the NFL is trying so hard and the NFL media is trying so hard to push it into a more socially progressive area. And that's great. But I think we're sometimes we get so caught up in in that and not realizing just how far they still have to go. Yeah. We're a long ways away from that. Yeah. Um, I'll be kind of surprised if the Vikings do hire this woman for the job. Right. And I'm sure they will tell you when they don't that it's because, oh, she was great, we loved her, we just like this other guy better. Yes. Um, but I won't believe them if they don't <laughs> acknowledge that part of the reason was, well, we're probably not quite ready to let a woman do this job yet. They won't say that. Of course not. But I think that's probably what it'll be. And when you see stuff like that, it's hard to blame them necessarily because, again, is like – Mike Zimmer treated Rick Spielman the way he did. How's he going to treat, you know, a 37-year-old woman telling him, yeah, no, Mike, I'm not <laughs> drafting you a cornerback. <laughs> yeah. I'm trading Kirk for, for Kirk Cousins. Yeah.
1: Well, fortunately, we don't have to – well, yeah, I guess Vikings fans won't have to worry about what Mike Zimmer would do in those situations. It does – uh, it, it does make me wonder again the way Zimmer operated if now we're really looking at somebody much younger and somebody with more of a personality that is more acquiescent to being a quote-unquote players coach as something they're looking for because uh, we hear it a lot and it does happen a lot that you hire the opposite right oh we've had a defensive mm-hmm. guy for a mm-hmm. while now let's hire an offensive guy uh, which I don't think is that bad of an idea in the NFL but you know Mike Tomlin's a defensive guy he's a great head coach and uh, um, and, I'd love, boy, I'd love it if Mike Tomlin were the Vikings coach. I think Vikings fans should and would, too. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's also personality-wise, Do we Maybe maybe we look at the opposite for what that locker room needs. At the same time, that locker room could be a changing. I think there could be a lot of Zimmer guys and older guys who are carrying some price tags with them that are quite heavy anyway. I mean, we could have a different-looking uh, yeah. Vikings roster next year anyway. So.
2: I'd be okay with them blowing it up.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, Matt, thank you. Jen, thank you. Appreciate it as always. Okay. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> you know <have laughs> a round drink? Yes.